You're listening to a teaching from Vintage Church LA. This week, we're hearing from Associate Pastor Ash Meany. On week five of a uh, vision series, and this morning I want to look at spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal. And I want to begin by asking a question. I just wonder how many of you are always in a hurry? How many of you get to a point where you're feeling exhausted or stressed, constantly trying to catch up with your life? Anyone here struggle with that occasionally? Yeah, just a few of us. My hand's up. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, seems to be the way of life, doesn't it? Does your outer life, the outer life of your calendar, work, friendships, family, leisure, keep you so busy that you have no time to attend to your inner life with God? Is Los Angeles shaping you or are you shaping Los Angeles? Maybe you had a honeymoon period of faith where God filled incredibly intimacy, intimate. Every time you prayed, it, it seemed as if he answered your prayer and when you opened God's word, it's kind of alive. You were like, wow, God's speaking to me every day. But now faith seems a little harder. God seems to be silent. Reading the Bibles become dry and lifeless. And you're left wondering, is it, is it something I've done? Have I done something wrong? Is God far away? Where's God gone? Maybe you feel stuck in your spiritual life or you feel the need to perform or earn God's approval, acceptance and love. Or you feel held back from becoming all that God's called you to be and do in life. Or you just simply have a hunch there is something more. There is something more. A hunger that there's more. A hunger for a deeper, richer, fuller life with God. But you just don't know how to get there. Well, it's into this condition that Jesus extends his invitation from Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Where he says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. Now, I want to make it really clear as we step into this that Jesus is not some sort of mattress salesman offering us a really good deep night's sleep. That's not the rest he's talking about here. The rest here in the original Greek is an offer to an oppressed people to be released from performance renewed in his presence and to live in a counter-cultural way of life. That's what his invitation is. He's offering relief from the burden of performance and religious behavior as a means of attaining acceptance by God and he invites up to take his yoke, 
His yoke is life in the spirit. He's offering relief from the burden of performance. Anyone know that burden? Where you just think, you just, if, I, if I can just do this one thing better and longer and more, then maybe God will accept me. A life of renewal that's formed around patterns, rhythms and practices that have God at their centre. Eugene Peterson, in the message version of the Bible, says it brilliantly. Sometimes he just kind of gets it and says it in a way that kind of strikes you. Listen to how he says it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Does that sound amazing? Oh, yes, please, Lord. The unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. The solution to our condition, the solution to our struggles, particularly of life in a city that goes as fast as LA, is to learn the unforced rhythms of grace and live in ways that help us to be formed into the likeness of God and constantly being renewed by his Holy Spirit. Jesus invites us into a lifestyle of ongoing spiritual renewal where where we're constantly being shaped and formed by him. Walk with him, work with him, watch how he does it, read the gospels and see the pattern and rhythm of his life and mimic it, copy it, live it out. The problem is, however, whether we realize it or not, we're constantly being formed and shaped by the culture around us. Shaped and formed by what James K.A. Smith calls cultural liturgies. Cultural liturgies. Cultural liturgies are the habits, rhythms, and practices that you and I engage in daily, weekly, monthly in our everyday life in LA. We're bombarded every day by an alternative narrative from the culture around us that seeks to woo us into faulty beliefs about ourselves, about others, and about God, and it seeks to pull us into dysfunctional, compulsive, driven ways of being. Anybody feel that battle? Anybody feel that tug? And it influences our actions, It shapes our desires and determines how we live and what we worship. In his book, You Are What You Love, Smith explains it like this. The practices of Christian worship train our love. They are the practices for the coming kingdom, habituating us as citizens of the kingdom of God. Christian worship, we should recognize, is essentially a counterformation to those rival liturgies we are often immersed in, cultural practices that covertly capture our loves and longings, miscalibrating them. 
orienting them to rival versions of the good life. This is why worship is at the heart of discipleship. We can't counter the power of cultural liturgies with didactic information poured in to our intellects. We can't recalibrate the heart from the top down through merely informational measures. The orientation of the heart happens from the bottom up through the formation of our habits of desire. Learning how to love God takes practice. Learning how to love God takes practice. This is how cultural liturgies work in our every day to day. The other day, I was just happily moseying down Third Street Promenade. And then I passed Temple Mac. That's the Apple shop. (laughs) And as I looked through the glass to see the hipster priests and the congregants worshipping, I felt this tug on my soul to enter in to Temple Mac. And I did. I entered into Mac. Now, I confess, I already have a MacBook Pro. I have an iPad Pro. I have an iPhone 11. I am not in need of any more Mac products. Straight out, just as clear as it is. That's how it stands. But a strange thing happened. When my eyes caught the sight of something, I felt this tug. It was the iPhone 14. (laughs) There it is. In all its splendor and beauty and technological advancement. And I felt this iPhone calling my name as I went over to pick it up and look at it. Do you know it has a bionic chip? A bionic chip. Who's old enough to remember the bionic man? Yeah. Yeah, it has a bionic chip. And I found myself walking over to where they all were. And I picked it up and I felt its weight. I looked at its glory. I felt the temptation and that's when a strange thing happened. I gently heard a voice inside my head and it went like this. You need me. You need me. You want me. Your life is not complete without me. Just think of all the things we could do together. I am so much better than your iPhone 11. Your iPhone 11 is history. Go on, you know you want me. And as I started to reach for my wallet, as I started to think through in my head how I was going to tell my lovely wife, Sibs, who I can't look at right now, that I had spent $500 I don't have on a phone that I really don't need. I was just going through the motions, thinking, how, how, how can I get you? And it was then that I snapped out of it. Cold sweat, put the phone down, went past all the trendy hipster priests, went out through the doors, into the promenade, took a deep breath. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. (laughs) 
You see, that's a cultural liturgy. That's a cultural liturgy. Our shopping habits are cultural liturgies that shape and form our desires. And the power behind this particular cultural liturgy is the great idol of money. And we are tempted and influenced and shaped and formed constantly by this idol in the culture around us. I shop, therefore I am. The same is true with other cultural liturgies. We practice and, and they shape and form our desires. And when we act out of our desires, they can either lead us into greater transformation or greater disintegration. Greater intimacy with God or greater separation from him. A greater sense of identity and purpose or a greater sense of insecurity, fear and confusion. So how? How in a world that's being formed and shaped by rival gods, stories and practices, do we become more like Jesus? The question is, the answer is, we have to engage in the process of counterformation through spiritual renewal and the practice of disciplines. There's no other way around it. We have to learn the unforced rhythms of the kingdom and practice the lifestyle of the king and participate in rhythms and disciplines and practices that help us to slow down, partner with God's grace and allow for his transformation. Dallas Willard describes it like this. A discipline is something in my power or ability to do, which I choose to do in order to enable me to do what I can't yet directly do. A spiritual discipline is a way of becoming present to God, embracing our identity in him and recalibrating ourselves to his presence, will and kingdom. And we have to do this on a regular basis. It's not about earning, performing, or striving to become Christ-like in our own effort, but engaging with God in response to who he is, what he's done, and participating in the work the Holy Spirit is already doing in us. This is the invitation. Walk with him. Let him do what he's already wanting to do. Watch what he does and practice it. And as we do, we form the muscle memory of the kingdom and become stronger in our faith. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 compares this sort of discipline with athletic training where he says this. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it a, my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. 
Any of you who play professional sport will know the results of training. This is not rocket science. Paul's telling us that following Jesus takes intentionality, training, and discipline. That may be the Lord. <laughs> so, we need to develop a rule and rhythm of daily, weekly, and monthly patterns and practices that produce a counterformation to the way LA is shaping and forming us. The word rule is a word that comes from the Greek word for trellis. This is a trellis. And a trellis is simply a structure that helps a vine grow to become more fruitful and productive. In the same way, a rule or rhythm of life is a trellis of practices that help us to abide in Christ, be renewed by the Spirit, and become more fruitful and productive. A trellis is a structure that we intentionally implement into our calendars that help us to live more God-centered, to live with more of God in our lives than more of the culture in our lives. It's an intentional plan that combines a rhythm of disciplines and practices like prayer, meditating on God's word, Sabbath, fasting, that we intentionally build into our lives to help shape and form us. And this is how it works. You see, what begins as a discipline over time becomes a habit. And when that becomes a habit, eventually it becomes a natural response, something that we don't have to think about. And over time, we become more like Jesus and do what Jesus did without even thinking about it. This is a process of transformation called spiritual renewal a process by which Christ is formed within us. Christ is formed within us through the power of the Spirit for the glory of God and the fullness of life and living for the sake of others. And in his letters, Paul describes this process using two metaphors. The first is the process of a formation of an embryo in the mother's womb, in Galatians 4.19. I am in labor, or childbirth, until Christ is formed in you. Now, I've been told by someone very close to my heart, who's not too far away from me right now, that being pregnant and giving birth is not a very comfortable experience. And so it is with spiritual transformation. I know, as a man, I will never understand the pain isn't that right, mums? Yes. yes. <laughs> I will never understand the pain of childbirth. The second metaphor Paul uses is the transformation of a caterpillar into a butterfly, alluded to in Romans 12 too, where he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Greek word for transformed is metamorpho, the process of metamorphosis by which a caterpillar enters into the cocoon 
to emerge changed almost beyond recognition into the beauty of a butterfly. Isn't that a great metaphor? This change is so profound that the caterpillar transcends its previous existence to take on a completely different form with a completely different set of capabilities. I am a different person since I met Jesus. Ask my wife. She'll be really honest with you. I'm a different person. There's been a transformation. Something has happened over the time of constantly recalibrating myself to the practices and rhythms of the kingdom of God, as hard as it's been through the mountains and the valleys, in the ups and the downs, in sadness and in joy, if you continue, you will see a transformation. You will experience a profound transformation. And both these metaphors place the process of spiritual renewal under God's control. In other words, it's not something you and I can do in our own strength. But by participating and practicing kingdom rhythms, disciplines, and constantly re-surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit. Constantly. This is not a one-off experience. This is an invitation to a lifestyle where we are constantly recognizing our dependence upon the Holy Spirit to become all that God's called us to become. This is the invitation of spiritual renewal. Marjorie Thompson puts it beautifully like this. The caterpillar must yield up the life it knows and submit to the mystery of interior transformation. It emerges from the process transfigured with wings that give it freedom to fly. A rule of life gives us a way to enter into the lifelong process of personal transformation. Its disciplines help us to shed the familiar but constructing old self and allow our new self in Christ to be formed, the true self that is naturally attracted to the life of God. Between the butterfly between, sorry, the caterpillar and the butterfly is a process of transformation that happens in the hiddenness of the cocoon. And so it is with spiritual transformation and renewal. Between the old self and the new self is a process of renewal that happens in the hiddenness of God. And here's the bad news. There's no microwave spirituality that's going to speed this process up. There's no special method of prayer. No magic words. No shortcut. No quick fix or fast pass to expedite the process of spiritual transformation. If you've been a Christian for long enough, you'll know this is true. It's what Eugene Peterson suggests a long obedience in the same direction. A long obedience in the same direction. C.S. Lewis explains the process of formation and renewal in a fantastic way. He says this, imagine yourselves as a living house. God comes in to rebuild 
that house. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping all the leaks in the roof and so on. You, you knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abnormally and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he's building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage. But he is building a palace. He intends to come and live in it himself. What phase of God's building project are you in? What phase of God's building project are you in? Are you in that phase where you kind of see what he's doing, kind of get what he's doing? That's great, Jesus. I love it the way you're doing that. Thank you so much. Oh, what, hey, what is that? What, what is that? Anybody know that feeling where he starts to really build what he intends to build? I promise you, he never builds what we expect him to build. But he'll always build better than we ever dreamed or expected. It's the nature of the kingdom of God and the nature of the king. So perhaps it's helpful to think about what stage are you at in God's great building project of your life. I want to recommend some excellent books about the process of spiritual transformation that I've felt re- that I found really helpful for me along the way. You may want to jot these down. Take a photo, whatever works for you. First is Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. This book is an excellent overview of the journey of spiritual formation. One that we recommend a lot is Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Hurry by our friend John Mark Comer. Another one, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton. Excellent writer who just brings us into the life of spiritual rhythms. And lastly, one of my favorite authors, The Way of the Heart by Henry Nouwen. All of these are excellent introductions to some of the deeper ways God forms and shapes us. You and I are created to experience our true life, our genuine identity, our deepest meaning, our fullest purpose, and our ultimate value in intimate, loving union with God constantly being renewed at our core through the power of the Holy Spirit so that we're being shaped and formed by him. And then he sends us as urban remissionaries out into LA to shape and form LA. This is a part of our vision at Vintage, to create pathways of formation and renewal. And we've just begun to do that. There is lots more coming. But our hope is that they help to transform us into that palace where God dwells so that we can become the agents of change in our city and beyond. So let me invite you, if you've never thought of implementing into your trellis, into your calendar, patterns and rhythms and disciplines, here's some to give a try. First, silence. Silence is the vehicle for transformation. One writer calls it the furnace of transformation. 
If you want to know how enmeshed and enculturated you are to the world outside, try sitting once a day in 20 minutes of silence. You will start to realize just how noisy it is out there. And once you deal with that noise, you'll then realize just how noisy it is in here. And that's the point of silence, is that we lean in to the presence of God in the midst of all of our hamster wheels, in all of the busyness, in all of the noise going on in our heads and our hearts, and we let it turn down. And we learn to sit in God's presence. So try implementing 20 minutes a day of sitting in silence and stillness, being more present to God. Sabbath. I know this is a hard one. Sabbath. Try implementing a larger chunk of time. It might be from a dinner to a lunchtime. It might be half a day or a full day. And we'll be teaching on this later on. But Sabbath is a command. God calls us to be a people that stop, that rest, that delight in him. When was the last time you sat or you walked or you did something that makes you feel most alive and you felt God's delight in you? And you delighted in him for no other purpose, not to use him to get your shopping list out and to get what you want out of him and to present to him your, your projects and your prayers, but just to sit and be in his presence. The best relationships I have in life are the ones with whom I can just sit and delight in their presence. Retreat. Hands up those of you who practice retreating in a year pattern. Anyone? Hands up. Can I just see a few hands just to see how it goes? Great. Yeah, that's less than 1% of us. (laughs) Folks, it's not possible. I'm just going to say this straight up. It's not possible to overcome the nature of the beast that is LA without withdrawing from it for a period of time. We just can't do it. We have to implement patterns of retreating. Jesus' life was a pattern of constant ministry and constant withdrawal. Have a look at some of the biggest miracles Jesus performs. They happen when he's come out of a time of silence and meditation, withdrawal and retreat to be with his father. Watch how he does it and walk in his way. This is why we do retreats here at Vintage. On November the 19th, we're doing an Advent retreat. And the purpose of the Advent retreat is to press pause before we go into Christmas. Advent, you'll know, is a word that's familiar with Christmas, describes the Christmas season in the church calendar. And the reason we do that is because we just know Christmas goes mad. Doesn't it? Anyone experience that? You get to Christmas Day, you eat the Christmas meal, and you crash because you've been going at it. And the idea of the Advent retreat is that you can stop, press pause, and perhaps take a hold of the deeper meaning of Christmas and allow that to shape you as opposed to all of the other versions of Christmas out there. And so we set up this space for a retreat for a whole morning. There's a little contemplation, little meditation, and then you go off for an hour, 
and you can use any of the spaces around the church or go for a little walk and then come back and we do it again. There's a, a morning's retreat. So, practice retreat. Maybe put a retreat in. Prayer. Prayer ministry training, listening prayer workshops. We have a life of prayer that's constantly going on here at Vintage. And the idea is that we want to be a people that learn a life of prayer that fits with life in LA, that we're formed and shaped by prayer as a people. Prayer ministry training is about learning how to hear God's voice and pray for others, not just here on Sundays, but out there. Listening prayer workshops, prayer retreats. The prayer chapel, we have a chapel that has multiple rooms. You can go online, you can book one of those rooms for an hour or so. Just go to our website, follow the chain, look at the prayer chapel and book a room and sit in that space. Again, what we're trying to do is create the spaces and places and rhythms and patterns that help you to be formed and shaped by Jesus. And lastly, worship. Worship. For me, it's one of the most powerful forms of shaping. The reason we do 20 minutes of worship at the start of our service is that we want to invite you into the practice of recalibrating your hearts and minds toward God and getting a vision of him that causes you to worship him above all other rival gods. That's what worship is about. That's why we do it. That's why we do Kingdom Comes, where we have extended times of worship. And when you are singing and worshiping, no matter how bad you are, my voice is terrible. (laughs) Which is why I don't sing out loud that often. But the reason we worship and the reason we say the lyrics is, is that as we do that, it's painting a picture for us of the kind of God we serve the character of God, the promises of God, the miracles of God, the wonder of God, the awe of God. And in worship, we find ourselves lifted out of the stuff of life and into his presence. So we do kingdom comes, extended times of worship, prayer, and refreshing. Now, all of these, and there are lots more, which we'll begin to teach on as we go through the year and next year. And we'll continue to build pathways and practices and a rule that helps us be shaped to live in LA. The reason for this is that we are the people of God and we are called to this place and to this time and to this generation to shape our world. And Jesus invites us to do it with him, to become like him, to practice his way. Let's take a moment to pray. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're just going to take a moment to respond. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Just be aware of the presence of God. The incarnational reality of God. The presence that lives within us. As the mystics tell us, God is closer to us 
than we are to ourselves. God is closer to us than we are to ourselves. And so he knows you and he's formed you and he's shaping you. I'm going to ask for the prayer team to come out as we respond. If you're on our prayer team, I'd love you to come out. The invitation from Jesus. is to come to him. To get away with him. And you will recover the fullness of life. He'll show you how to take real rest. And so walk with him Watch how he does it and learn his unforced rhythms of grace. And in preparing this, I was acutely aware that there'll be more than one here who feels that sense of being worn out or burnt out. And I want to invite you to come forward to give that to God, to be prayed for, that you would sense the renewal and refreshing of God's presence. One or two of you may be carrying burdens that are just completely weighing you down. And when I say weighing you down, it may be that they're completely occupying your thought life, causing you stress. Anxiety, and again, God's invitation is give it to him. Hand it over to him. And there may be others who just want to recommit to the journey. Recommit to the way of Jesus. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And if any of those words speak to you, come forward to receive prayer. There's been a couple of words from our prayer team, the name Becky. And the encouragement is to come forward and receive prayer. Someone has had a diagnosis of cancer and the Lord wants to bring comfort and strength. word that the veil has been lifted he is real God wants to give you courage and strength for the journey and so if any of these words speak to you the invitation is to come forward to receive prayer but no matter where you are on the building project let's worship and as you worship allow the spirit to recalibrate you in his presence so come Holy Spirit as we worship you now Amen Thanks for joining us for another week. We'd love to connect with you at one of our gatherings or online at vintagechurchla.com.